Welcome. This is One Christian, One Topic. Today, our guest again is Diego Ramirez. Today's topic, Encountering God. This episode is a continuation of the conversation from the previous episode, where we talked about missionary work. Let's get to it. Um, but I feel like sometimes as a culture, the, the culture says work extremely hard, exalt yourself, and go somewhere else to be by yourself, to like relax and be on vacation, which maybe another way the culture, the popular culture can flip that would be to like say, I need to go maybe somewhere and be there and learn from some some other folks more about myself, more about them and grow grow like that instead of kind of like going abroad just purely for vacation purely for you know personal satisfaction there's, there's there's much more joy in giving than receiving but sometimes people um just don't have the opportunity to give you know that they, they haven't either made the space or their schedule is so tight that really they don't, they haven't even tried in giving, you know, when, when, when you have an experience of giving yourself to other, it's not just a spiritual, um, how would I say it approach in your, in your, in your person and in, in, in your, in, in your humanity. It, it would also help you a lot psychologically it will help you, um, you know, as a person to grow more as a human being to realize that you're not alone in the world, that there's a lot of people around you, and that if you open to the possibility of being their friend, of being their companion, you know, great things happen. You know, so just, just, just be open to that possibility. And let 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 God let the Holy Spirit work, you know. And when 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 they put their hands on you, believe it or not, everything is gonna be a positive outcome. I can only imagine how much a country, a community can change, a family can change if they start making that tweak in their kind of a way of thinking. So you know, instead of being like as a family vacation, we're going for a month abroad, but you know, hey, how about we do? this as a family, some missionary work, and then what would happen once they return? Something would change. You can't not be changed. And then once you're back in your original home, then once you meet someone new, it, it would hopefully create a different type of community, different type of uh, encounter for society as a whole. Yes, yes. Um, mission transforms people. Um, it transforms people in such a way that, like you said, when you come back home to your family or with your family, because I'm, you know, a lot of people decide, you know, mom, dad, and children, they all go out, you know, to, um, to work in, in, in a foreign country. You know, we've, we've had a lot of marital like missionaries that have taken their kids. I mean, uh, there's a family that have, I believe, like three or four kids, and every kid was born in a different country because, you know, they, they were moved to, to different places. But just just people, lay people that have joined Marino for, for a summer immersion trip or this kind of things. Like I said, once they come back home, things are not the same. You know, they realize that the world is kind of different, that there was something that they were missing, and somehow they have found it. 
you know, God, God has made it clear in, in their lives that, like I said before, that they're not alone, that there's, there's other people out there and that we are always, um, you know, invited to, to, to help others and, and to be part of their lives. I've read, you know, there's the Mary Noel Office for Global Concerns. And I've heard some of those writers, um, lay, lay people, speak about that. don't remember the specific author, but she, she spoke about it was in her kind of uh, going to these local communities and her doing her work, but then her children realizing that they were part of the community that she saw her children kind of be transformed, you know, before I think uh, they went abroad, you know, they were kind of all, you know, doing things on their own. But when they entered this community, they saw that everyone was family. The, the aunts looked after you, you know, the, the neighbors were there for you. So even for her, like as, she, as soon as she, I think she was doing some work at the church, as soon as she entered, she knew like, oh, her children would be taken care of. Like, you know, the, these neighbors, these ladies would like, you know, look for her, take care of the children. Um, even the children saw that. And so like in one of those posts, uh, reflection that she wrote, that's what I kind of took from it. Yeah. Like it said, you know, the, the, the experience really transforms people. I've never met a single uh, person that has, you know, this, this encounter with, with Christ and the other that is not transformed for a lifetime. Um, here in the U.S., we're so used to being confined to our working space that, you know, once you get out of it, you, all you want to do is go home, close the door, and just be yourself in your own home. And sometimes you don't even acknowledge who your neighbor is. You don't know who's living next to you or above you or, you know, downstairs. And, you know, like I said before, no man is an island. We have to realize that that we're here in this world for others. Um, I often, you know, when people say, you know, I'm not feeling very well, how should I pray? I said, don't pray for yourself. I think that's the key to, if you really, really want God to listen to you, don't pray for yourself. Pray for others. And God, who is good and merciful, will take care of you. Sometimes our prayer is, God, I need this. God, I want this. God, I desire this. God, I, 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 I. And God is good. God listens to you. But when you're interceding for others and you really want others to do well, God is so good and he's so gracious and so merciful that he will take care of all your needs. And I think that's where the transformation from the inside needs to happen because I feel like there's an inner love there's a love that has to come from the inside towards others uh, because I look to my mind and I guess I'm, I'm speaking about myself. I'm praying for this family member. I'm praying for this friend not to be, not, not to be in pain, but in some of it, it's more like just so that I can still have them for myself, just so that I can have my friend with, you know, and, and that there's a little nuance there about praying for others, but I'm really praying for myself because I don't want to lose this person. I don't want, uh, this person to no longer be there for me. But the, the, the nuance is really, I'm praying for someone else's needs, not for what someone else can do for me. Yes. Um, like it said, and also to make prayer simple, we don't have to, you know, be so um, 
elaborate and you know make it hard whatever comes out from within just 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 put it there offer it to god and sometimes just silence you know that's um there's there's a it's called contemplative prayer it's just you know you're just there just staring at an image it can be a religious image it can just be natural scene trees rivers birds whatever it is you know god is present in all his creation and just be there contemplating you know the beauty of god so that's also prayer you know uh, like I, I tell people keep it simple you know keep it simple and you're going to start liking it and you're going to start longing for it which is uh, uh really you know where, where, where we want to get you know to have that desire to to communicate with 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 god and and had that close relationship with him. This is not what you said, but this is what came to my mind. If we're in a bus or whatever public space, wherever we are, and we're with someone, a neighbor, it's best to just be in that space and acknowledge that space. Like, oh, this is someone new. And, and so like, even in prayer, sometimes it's just like being in that space with God in that specific time, specific place, being there with God, the opposite of that would be like, I'm getting off the bus because I don't want to be with this person, which the corollary would be, oh, I don't have time for God to pray and now I'm going to do something else and watch TV or whatever. But if we, with our neighbor in the public space, go, hey, how are you? I'm willing to listen to what's going on with you. That's related in our prayer lives with, here I am, God. Here I am, Lord. I'm open to listening. And in both scenarios, we're accepting that space and we're not running away from it. And we're, we're open to listening. Yeah, and not, not only that, but you can really be uh, what that person needs in that time and day. You know, sometimes you may not think of it that way or acknowledge it, but you might be the instrument in God's hands, you know, that that person needs um at that certain time i mean i've had the experience you know of, of just meeting random people on the street and you know it all starts with how are you doing and from there you know it's a it's a very transforming experience for both of us the one who receives and the one who is willing to to help out one of the ways i would say that i can notice a person who has a strong relationship, prayer life with God is with just that. And sometimes, you know, I think years ago, as a young person, I never understood. I never understood where they got that. Some people would just be like, always caring, always like um, open to like help out. And I was just like, where are you getting that from? Now I would say, you know, that they have made that time. They have made that commitment to just be open to others, to God, just to have that. And I feel like that's where, maybe myself included, I don't have that, but that shows that my prayer life is struggling. Yes, um, remember that no one can give what they don't have. So if, if a person is filling up their life with uh, you know negative stuff, guess what? That's what they're gonna be giving out. That's what's gonna be pouring out because that's what they have. But if you strive day by day to fill your life with positive things, 
and you strive to to keep God close to your heart and you make the best of your efforts, you know, to maintain your family, you know, close to God, to yourself, believe it or not, you know, that's what's going to be flowing out of your, out of your heart, of your personality. You're going to be speaking positively, positively. You're going to be a, a nice, good person out there because you're, you're just making, you know, every day, the effort to be a good person. But like I said, if, if, if you don't make that effort, then you're going to start filling up yourself with, you know, trashy stuff. And that's what you're going to be giving out. So like I said, um, every Christian, every children of God, Christian or non-Christian, I mean, we're here for a purpose. And we, we have to discover day by day, you know, what that purpose is. And that only has to be done by the hands of God. Something I heard that says something like, the reason people nowadays struggle with prayer is because prayer involves not moving. It's not about, okay, what's next? It's about just being there. And I feel, and I think the, the point, uh, wherever I got it from, was trying to make is that as a society, we can't sit still anymore. And so that's where the whole prayer as a society has failed uh, because now it's everything like change the channel, give me something better, new. And I think that's where just being able to sit down, not do anything, clear your mind, clear your thoughts, go deeper. That's where the challenge is. Yes, yes. You know, prayer starts, you know, with, like you said, something very passive. But then gradually, prayer has to transform into action. Um, even the Bible says, you know, it's it, what's good about saying, yeah, you know, feed yourself well and take care, you know, and that's it. And then you, you just you just walk off. No, I mean, like I said, prayer has to transform eventually to action. I think that's um, one of the things that at least in my life, I always try to do, you know, that, you know, my connection, that my friendship with God, you know, comes to an action that you demonstrate to others that it's worth it to be his friend, you know, that it's, it's, it's good to have this connection. And like you said, all the people will ask you, like, like, why do you do this? I mean, what, what's, what, what really feels your, your personality, your your soul to come and help out peop, random people that you don't even know, or I mean, why do you do it? I mean, they're not even you're not even getting paid or whatever. It's like not everything in life is about like you said, reward, instant gratification. I mean, there's there's things that that go beyond that, and the only being that is able to to do this is God. So an image I have is this line of communication inside of us that we have for God, with God, that in prayer we can access. But I feel I have this image of like, we layer it with a lot of stuff. We layer it with our kind of um, animosities, our kind of distractions, our preoccupation. And so the more and more we layer it, the harder, harder it is to tap into it inside. And then it takes time then for me personally to kind of uh, listen. 
Yes, um, like it said, this this process takes time, and it takes a lot of patience. You know, uh, it's it's not like from one day to the other, it's just gonna come magically, and you're gonna be the greatest of the saints in prayer. No, I mean we all struggle uh, to make you know the perfect time of the day or the week. You know, to say you know what. Here I am, I'm going to focus 100%, and I am going to have the, the most wonderful mystical experience. No, it doesn't work that way. You know, prayer is just, it's a simple act of, it's of, of a daily, you know, dose of God in your life. Sometimes you may not have, you know, the 10, 20, 30 minutes to, to sit down and meditate or whatever, but if during the day you're doing good works for others, that is also prayer. You know, um, I remember one time a sister that said that um, their provincial, you know, their, their, the mother superior was visiting the convent and they were doing, I think they were doing adoration at the chapel. All the sisters were there and somebody came knocking on the door and nobody wanted to go open the door because you know, it was so important to be there meditating in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And she told one of the sisters, go and open the door because you are leaving Christ here in the Eucharist to go and meet Christ in your brother or sister who is also knocking on the door. So like it said, keep prayer simple and also keep it on a way that is practical, you know, I would say that it is useless to be, you know, praying on, you know, day and night in front of the Blessed Sacrament and you go out to the streets and you're not even willing to, you know, help the person who is begging for a quarter or whatever. You know, there's, there's got to be a healthy balance between what you think, what you say and what you do. Prayer is also action. So if in the midst of your day, because of your work, because of your family, because of so many things that just take up time during the day, there might not be, you know, a lot of time left for, for this kind of, uh, you know, spiritual exercises. Well, at least try to do every single thing in the name of God. You know, when, when you're with your child, you know, I don't know, helping out with his homework, when you're feeding him, when you're, you know, just doing whatever it is for your child, for your wife, for your mother, for your neighbor, you are praying and you are praying in an active way. That's also valid. And, you know, God understands. He's not going to be like, oh, you didn't pray to me today. I'm going to write it down here on my booklet. And you owe me one prayer for, no, he, you know, he's not like that. In one part of the Bible, God spoke to Moses and it's kind of form of a cloud storm and then later in the, in the bible um elijah had that experience where god wasn't in the storm it wasn't in the fire or something it was in the kind of the whisper and i feel i take that and apply in this kind of a conversation and say sometimes that conversation that appearance of god to us speaking to us isn't in a traditional form of prayer exercise you know, and, and so we try to hold God to a certain 
standard format is like it's this is the way this is the only way and sometimes it's like no god understands we have a busy family life you know whatever we're, we're in and maybe god's you know encountering us there and we just have to kind of like open up and see oh this is this is the prayer this is that communication with god right now yes and like it you know be very flexible i think flexibility it's it's something that we must all possess because if you're very rigid, remember that rigid things tend to break. Something that is rigid and hard will tend to break. And something that is soft and flexible will tend to accommodate, will tend to blend. You know, it'll, it'll take the shape that, you know, that's more convenient, that is more useful. So be flexible. I mean, not to be rigid, uh, becomes very handy during life. You know, some people are very hard on themselves. And whenever they fail to do this and whenever they fail to do that, it's like the world's going to end. No, it's not going to end. You know, God gives us a new opportunity, not every day, but literally every second of our life. Every second, God is giving you a new opportunity. The past is the past. The present is the time you know, for you to work on your future. Whatever you did an hour ago, it's over. I mean, really, you cannot go back an hour ago. You can redo things that you did an hour ago, but that hour, that moment, it's lost. It's it's in the past. But give, God is giving you right now in the present the ability to work towards the future. So again, flexibility, you know, hard and rigid things tend to break. We don't want to break. We want to be flexible. We want to blend. We want to go with the flow. You know, we want to be, we want to be like clay in the hands of God so that he can shape and do whatever he wants. During the time of Lent, I feel like that's also a misstep people can make. And that is like, oh, I have to fast. Or more like, I don't have to eat meat today. The more mature perspective is let me find ways every day during Lent to see God and acknowledge God. Kind of what you're saying, the flexibility would be where in my day can I focus my attention on God and seeing God? You know, instead of giving up something, just being like, let me take time to listen to God, whether it's through other people speaking to me in my busy day, whether it's, you know, People I have never noticed in the streets as, you know, I'm going to work, I'm in the public transportation, bus, train. Where, where am I making that adjustment? Yes, um, Pope Francis just made a, you know, good reflection about what you're talking about. Like, what's really the meaning of Lent for, for us as, as Catholics, as Christians? And we tend to think about all the bodily sacrifices that we cannot that we can do um in order to please god during um, lent but really it's about sacrificing things in the spirit things there that are from within you know that's what really god wants out of us he wants a real change from within um remember that um biblical passage of there was a Pharisee who was right in front of the temple and he was hitting himself in the chest and saying, oh, God, thank you because I'm a righteous man. 
I am not like the others that are like this and like that. I am so different and doing all this exterior manifestations of him being the righteous person. And there was this man at the back of the temple who was just kind of, you know, bending down and just, just there. You know, Jesus said, you know, who do you think, whose, whose prayer is, is best, you know? The one who's in front, you know, doing all this external things, or this man who is just acknowledging that he's a sinner. Kind of the same thing is with us, you know. Whatever that we have to offer to God has to be offered from within. Other people don't have to know what you're doing. Actually, when you do good works, or when you're fasting, or when you are, you know, keeping yourself from not doing anything, nobody else should know it. Just your father in heaven. Because if other people know it, then you already had your reward. Oh, he's such a good man. Look at what he's doing. Oh, he's so pious. Look how he's praying. He's, you already had your reward. People already acknowledged and clapped you for your good things. But if you do it in the intimacy of your heart, if you do it, you know, from within and you offer it to God, then your reward will be waiting for you in heaven. And that's what we want because we were not made for earth. We were made to be with our, with our father in heaven. So we want our coins. We want our savings up there, not here. I would just think about the example you gave. The way I remember it, the setting is the Pharisee and the other person, the sinner, quote unquote, they're in the temple um, praying. You know, I start kind of playing around with the imagery and I'm thinking, what if the other person, the other uh, sinner, what if he wasn't at the temple? Like, what if his prayer came at home? I think it would still apply. What if it happened exactly after the moment that he committed his offense? And, you know, the way I related to it is I'm thinking, I'm trying to picture a moment where I said something to a person and I knew I shouldn't have said it. And instantly, internally, I'm like, ah, God, forgive me. Like, I shouldn't have said that. You know, and of course, that moment, I'm not at church. I'm not setting aside some time to pray. But, but what, if, what, if that's, what, what if that's really what that person experienced? Two seconds in, in the earthly time that we just like regretted it and we said, sorry about that. I'm sorry. But it's, it's not necessarily me setting time to go to the church building, you know, kneeling and being like, okay, let me now. Maybe it's really those moments where we internally really, really, really regret and want to take back what we just did. Um, yes. I mean, um, repentance is just, is just, you know, the, the, the very first and the most important step. Because, you know, we as Catholics, even if you go to a confession with a priest and everything, but there's not really a repentance of what you did. I mean, you're losing your time. One of the, one of the, the, the requirements, you know, for you to be absolved from whatever sin is that you have true repentance over it. If you're just doing it because, oh, I just want to be you know, in peace with my 
conscience or whatever, but you're not doing it because you are really sorry that you do this, that you did this to this person and that you offended God, then you're like, say you're losing your time. But then like you said, there's many moments in life when we might not be at the church, we might not be in a spiritual setting, but then you do have that instant um, regret that you, that you acknowledge that you have done something that has hurt the others, but at the same time that you are hurting God and, and you know, and, and, and your brother and your sister, and you really acknowledge it and you really say, I am very, very sorry. Guess what? Of course, God is forgiving you. Like I said, don't be rigid. We, we don't have to be rigid. We have to be very flexible. You know, be flexible uh, um, in, 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 in terms of, of that we have uh, a Father in Heaven who is very merciful and is very loving. It doesn't, all, it doesn't mean that you're not going to, you know, make time for confession, you know, to have the, you know, the, this, this, this a sacrament that washes away our sins. But to acknowledge that, of course, God, God forgives you. Of course, of course he does. I've always moved towards this thought about moving past labels. And, you know, the, the, now I'm at this point in my life where I'm just like over labels. Christian, I'm this type of uh, community. I'm this type of, you know, they're just labels. They're not, they don't mean anything. You know, I, you know, go to confession every week. That, that just, you know, I pray the rosary every day like those are just labels they're not they're they're outer layers they're not speaking towards the actual inside and i feel like that correlates with that relates to the fact that we tend to want to hold god to a certain point to a certain action to a certain space and God kind of sometimes, you know, you even I would say in the Bible, you know, it, God is everywhere, you know, in burning bush, in the storm cloud, and, you know, in the silent whisper, in a person, <laughs> Jesus, you know, it, you know, it, 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 God, God flows everywhere. And so we always try to go and say, this is the prayer that works. This is the form of repenting this is what we need to do and sometimes i feel like we should rather say let's be open to all forms of like prayers or forms of repentance or forms of conversion again i guess the word is flexibility you know flexible in our thinking of like where where, where can god be working where, where can god appear in our prayer where can god uh encounter us because god's always encountering us and um the other overarching thought process i always have is sight we we, we need god's sight we need the ability to see god and that's where we're, we always fail uh we, we 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 go no god's only here and we fail to see maybe god's everywhere Yes, uh, like you said, labels, labels, um, that's something social, that's something society has imposed on people to somehow limit, limit us, you know, you're of this color, you're of this race, you're of this status, you belong to this place, you blah, 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 it's a way of limiting people, we, God does not limit himself, we cannot limit God, 
So um, we must have that 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 freedom to to think of God in a way that, like I said, no limits. Even the image of you know God as a mother. Sometimes sometimes people don't think of this. You know, we always see God just you know that. You know, God the Father as the old man with the big beard, and then comes Jesus Christ, and then this Holy Spirit in, in the shape of a dove. That's really nice. That's very traditional. But guess what? God is not a man, and God is not, a, I mean, is not a woman. Does God doesn't have a gender. So God can be a father. Yes, he's a father. God is a mother. Yes, he's also a mother. So, you know, like you know, having this this um, this openness, you know, to see God as He is truly, and not what other people want to impose on you. Because then, like you said, you're going to be so limited that you're going to feel guilty to even adventure to discover God, and that will not bring a very pleasant experience. Therefore. Um, people may avoid God saying like, mm, it wasn't really good dealing with you. So I'll just do my own stuff and deal with my own life. And if I ever need you, I'll give you a call or whatever, but we don't, we don't incorporate him to our daily life, to our activities. Why? Like you said, because society introduces so many labels that we want to put those labels also to God. And it doesn't work that way because God is unlimited. He's the all-powerful. And labels were made for the, you know, for other purpose. That's to limit people, to keep you like, you know, on this, on this little zone. And don't get out of here because you belong to here. You're here. You're this. You're that. So you can only stay here. God doesn't work in that way. I feel like everything you kind of described or were describing, they're conduits, they're tools, they're pathways that we kind of try to close in. So when, when for example, the, 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 the idea of father, that is supposed to present a loving relationship concept that's supposed to kind of awaken growth, spiritual growth. But then we try to be like, well, no, God's man. You know, it's not a woman. <laughs> it's like, no, we're missing the point. I'm not sure in what context I was thinking about it. But, but I was like, you know, I feel like the art of a white man as God, you know, it served the purpose for introducing that idea to a community at a certain time. But then we try to go and say, nope, that's the image. Let's put it everywhere and be like, that's, that's what God is. And then, yes, that's where we kind of fail because we, again, try to, instead of using it, that tool, that mechanism to kind of like lead us to a higher spiritual place, we instead hold on to it and close it in and be like, this is it. It can't be anything else. I, you know, I credit just this past week, uh, Father Tom Jackson, OP, and he said, if you can imagine an embrace and hug while actually thinking of a person, that's beginning to approach God. You know, I think that's where we can grow. And maybe sometimes we haven't grown because we're still kind of holding 
certain images, certain kind of ideas, certain kind of language. And that's that's our limitation that we, we kind of uh, hold on to. Yes, I mean, you, you touched a, 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 you know, a very important point. If we hold on to all this biases of, you know, how the traditional faith has been uh, imposed over us, we will never grow. You know, you, you, you said a word that is very important, growth. Um, we will never grow if, if we hold on to all this kind of things that I'm not saying they're totally wrong, but at the same time, they're not totally right. You know, it's like, it's good. It was good at the moment. It was good at the, at, at the years that it worked. But nowadays it's like, hmm, you know, there's, there's got to be a shift in, in, in our minds in order to grow and, uh, you know, approach God in a much more, how would I say it? In a much more, it's, it's like a more natural way of approaching God. Nobody's pushing you. Nobody is telling you really, you know, it must be done this way and there's no other way. No, it's, it's a more natural, it's a friendship. That's the word, you know, it's, it's a friendship that just flows very natural, you know, between you and God. Like I said, it, it doesn't come one from one day to the other. It's a daily exercise that must be done in a very patient way. God himself will start, you know, making everything smooth and, you know. But you have to start working at it. It's never too late to start. That's another thing. It's never late. The thing I get in my mind is the mosaic. Mm -hmm. These different things are meant to be put up in conjunction with other imagery, other thoughts, other language, uh, way, way of dressing it. And then that's the kind of big picture. Instead of just looking at one, you know, one thing I just thought was, you know, within the Catholic Church, there's this kind of odd tool um, that's out there, which uh, deals with um, the Virgin Mary. I thought about this years ago. And I said, why is it that the Virgin Mary is presented in different ways in the lady of, of uh, our lady of china the virgin of guadalupe it's i think there's a lady of japan or is it osaka maybe i'm wrong uh lady of africa i think it's another one and in that we're okay with being like mary can be seen different ways but we've never extended that or elevated that to maybe jesus can be seen in different ways. Maybe God, the Father, can be seen in different ways. The Holy Spirit is different ways. But within church art, there, there is different ways of looking at Mary, presenting Mary. But it, it's, the church is involved in presenting Jesus that way. God, the Father, God, the Holy Spirit, in different ways. It's always just stuck to the same kind of main imagery. And I'm like, I think that idea crept in but we've we've never the church entirely has never been like let's bloom from that you know entirely and you know it's it's kind of still i see some books being published now some stuff online videos and it's still holding on to the same imagery i'm like well, why can't we evolve why can't we you know grow grow out of that 
Yes. Uh, well, that's a, that's a very extensive theme, but you know, you, you can tell right away that the church has been since its beginning, it's been a, a man based, you know, um, how would I say it? Uh, institution, you know, but little by little, I would say in the past 20, 25 years, you know, things are, are shifting a little bit more into, like you said, being more open uh, in terms of uh, accepting um, not only, you know, like the process of synodality that the Pope has uh, recently uh, introduced about, you know, the cleric, the clerics are not the only ones who have, you know, authority over the church. You know, lay people should also be involved in all kinds of ministries and, and, you know, and the fun, the way things function in the church. Um, a couple months ago, the Pope just introduced, um, you know, prior to ordination, uh, you receive um, the acolyte and the and the lector um, ministries. And it used to be just for men, and, and the Pope had just opened it, the possibility also for women. So I think that we are shifting very slowly, but we are shifting gears. You know, there's a lot of opposition. A lot of people don't like it, but why do they do not like it? Because they still want to hold to their authority. They still want to hold to their me controlling over others. And the Pope has said that is over. The church will not grow. The church will not continue. The church will not sanctify itself if we just grasp to 1950s and 1830s and no, we have to be according to the times and we have to shift. But I can say, yes, we are shifting very slowly, but we are. And like you say, like iconography, which means, you know, all the paintings and sculptures. Yes, uh, the male figures tend not to change and they are very westernized images, which are, you know, even science or anthropology can tell you, yes, Jesus was not blue-eyed and had white skin and really nice curly hair. I mean, he just didn't. <laughs> he was a man that was born in the desert. He was, you know, all these characteristics that we're not going to go deep into it. But yes, well, we have a very westernized um, image of, of, of God and uh, of Jesus himself. But, I mean, we are free to, to, to start you know, like you said, shifting gears into a more human and comprehensive church that would at the same time be more welcoming to people because people, um, men, a lot of people tend to feel segregated or not even like worthy of being part of the church because of the many things that you mentioned. But if we do start making a change and we start presenting a more human church, a more accepting church then i believe uh that can be the start of of really good things for the future i imagine that if a church building can't see jesus something apart from the eurocentric uh white jesus same thing with the saints mary then that those parishioners won't be able to see jesus in their neighbor oh, who looks different and, and, and so it, it, 
one either produces the other or, or one is influenced by the other. And so it says something when you enter a church building and it's just one way and it's like unable to accept something different because we have to be able to open our minds, our hearts, ourselves to see God in everything. Um, and if we don't, then that's why we can't accept other people who look different to be to see God in them and treat them in, in a loving way. And I, I'm more lately been in my mind toying with this thought of who's a person I can who's a person I can least have thought would have looked like Jesus, like like that image. Like who who's in my mind if I kind of like was like that was Jesus. That's what he looked like. You know, of course, sometimes I think in my early childhood, you know, it's always like Jesus was, you know, kind of tall, was kind of, you know, muscular, you know, had, had a good body frame. But if he was like hunched over and had some, you know, physical uh, displacement or whatever it may be, uh, maybe he was bald. What about that would really be out there from what my, I can imagine? And then be like, wow, I missed it. <laughs> like, I, I miss, and you know, that's also the other thing I think about is like, where am I missing God? You know, where am I passing him by? And then I'd be like, oh, they're, they're, I just passed by Jesus and never said hello. And, you know, and then I relate that to like my neighbor. I do that to people all day long, pass them by because I can't, I haven't opened myself up to seeing God in them, Jesus in them. And it's because I'm holding on to this view of what god jesus should look like and i can't expand my mind to think broader than that yes like you said i mean we were introduced to this physically perfect man and he's so perfect in everything that it's kind of hard for us to relate perfect jesus with unperfect humanity you know but like i said before we need to start shifting years on this may it's kind of sad we, we we cannot do much about it with grown-ups people that are already you know adults they they have their mind their brain somehow uh programmed in a way that it's just gonna be like that till they die <laughs> so uh, the future of the church of the world is the little ones the kids so if if parents you know, talk to the children and start introducing all this new and good ideas, the future of the church will change because they will no longer think of the things that maybe we, that the things that we're dealing with is not going to be an issue for them because they were brought up in a very different way. You know, if, If you tell your, 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 I mean, your, your daughter or, or your son, you know, four or five, six years old, you know what? That man who's in the street, who's crippled, who is handicapped, who doesn't have anything, is, he is a children of God just like you are. And God loves him as much as you, as he does to you, you know? And if you have something to give him, go ahead and doing it, do it because you're, you're, do, you're doing it for God himself that kid will grow up with that idea, you know, and, you know, it's, things will eventually start changing. This was the plan, 
you know, that God had since the beginning of the world. Somehow we as humans, uh, you know, kind of messed up and we made our own ways, but this was the plan since the beginning. God made every single uh, creature on earth good. You know, we became depraved, you know, because of our bad deeds, but that, that, was, that was God's plan since the beginning. For, from the Bible, I've taken that things happen in like centuries. And, you know, we, we ourselves are always like the one immediate, hopefully within my lifetime. Things we build are probably for the effects to be seen in a thousand years. But that, it doesn't mean it's not important. It means it's important for us to do it now for the results to be a thousand years from now. Um, we may not even realize it, you know. I, I always think about stuff like St. Paul wrote a letter for his time. But now, you know, everyone nowadays is like studying it, examining it. And he probably never even conceptualized what those letters meant for the generation, generations 2,000 years from him. You know, why should you have phrased it that way? Why should you have said that? And, you know, I feel like the work for us is to do that, to be converted in this moment and do something about it so something can be changed 1,000, 10,000 years from now and have that effect. Because if we don't do it now, we won't be able to see that effect in the future, a future can, that can be 10,000 years from now. And, and that kind of cause and effect needs to be done now, but we won't be able to see it. We won't, we won't see the effects of it. And that's okay. It's not for us to see it. Like if anything from, from the things in scripture, a lot of those folks never saw it, never saw the fact, and that's fine. But all their mission was to do it when they needed to do it, and others will have seen the fact. Yes, yes. I mean, that's that's just a wonderful reflection. Like you know, it's like you you plant a tree. Now, you may not be able to, you know, enjoy the fruits that will bear, or the shadow that it's going to give, but future generations will take advantage of that tree one way or the other. So yes, the, the future is at our hands. What would be a sin would be to do nothing. Like you said, that would really be a sin, not just a spiritual sin, but a social, uh, just a sin in, in every single aspect to not do for something for the future. Um, especially nowadays talking about ecology Marino has, has, I mean, we've been very big on ecology for the past 20, 30 years all around the world, you know, trying to, to save trees, to save rivers, oceans, bodies of water, uh, pollution, trash, all that kind of stuff. Um, we, I mean, we're seeing the effects of what people didn't do 200 years ago. We are now being the victims of what people didn't do 200 years ago, 50 years ago. We don't want to be the cause of pain or the cause of trouble for people 200 years from now. And they say, oh, the people from 2020, because it's their fault that we now don't have this, this, and that. We don't want to be blamed for that. So to work. Sometimes we think that, okay, it's just me, myself, just one single person among millions. Like, what's, I mean, that's not going to do anything. It is. If it, it all starts with you. It all starts with me. It all starts 
with the person, with the individual, if we are doing something, then there is going to be a change. Eventually, that is going to, to bring a good outcome for somebody else. But if I don't change, then, you know, what's, what's, what's the purpose of wanting other people to do what I'm not doing? So it's, it's something very personal and it's something very, you know, for us to consider, you know, the change comes from you, from me, from the individual. I can read something in scripture, any point, for example, like during Jesus's time and say, how do you guys not get it? Why do you guys miss point? In my mind, I, you know, I would say it's so simple. You guys should have just done this. But, you know, you, you kind of bring up a point that we are like those people sometimes, you know, you, you, people are ringing the bell about like the ecology, the environment, and we're still, we're not listening. Like we're still have those same attitudes of disregard of sticking to what our custom is, our kind of daily day-to-day -day living and being like, oh, that doesn't apply to me. That's not important. And then who knows, maybe another 2000 years from now, someone will be thinking the same thing about me that I talked about people, you know, uh, before and say, oh, those people, but it's not about thinking we're better than people from before, but more realizing where we act insane and failing, coming short, where, where are our shortcomings and where can we learn from that and actually responding more better. And like I said, I mean, we do have the power to change the future and even the present. And that will always begin with you, with me, with the individual. Yeah, I feel like sometimes we don't face that personal challenge, that personal work we have to do. And instead, we try to apply it something broader. You know, and we're like, oh, society is going down. Oh, you know, it's impossible. It's, you know, when really it's just like small things we have to do every day, small adjustments, simple adjustments we have to do um, every day. But we fail and then but then we question why things are the way they are, why society is the way it's what it is. But it's I, I do feel sometimes it comes down to a cause and effect, which is something going back to what you mentioned. If we don't smile at someone, we 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 pass by, that creates a negative effect. Whereas that person needed a smile and instead it's just like results in that person maybe thinking, I'm alone, no one cares about me, no one loves me. God doesn't love me because I don't experience God. I don't see God. So our failure to do that small, simple task of just smiling, saying, hey, how are you, created that in that person who then in turn affects someone else by his kind of being a loner and the way he reacts to other folks. And it just kind of keeps kind of multiplying across and all because I didn't smile at someone. I, I didn't show God's love to my neighbor. All, all because of that. And then later I can't say, wow, society is really um, disrespectful. It's very, you know, this or that. It's like, yeah, because I didn't do my part. That one moment I needed to do my part, I didn't. So maybe I should be looking at myself as to why I'm not contributing towards that change that I want to see, but I haven't done. Yes, I mean, we, we live in a world where we are so desensitized that... People, even though we have the capacity to be more careful about others and to engage with others, we rather not do so. 
because that will require time, that will require feelings, that will require so many things that very deeply within us, we are afraid. We are afraid to give, we are afraid to offer, you know, but God is always welcoming. I mean, he's encouraging us to embrace our brothers and sisters, to embrace the people that we encounter. And, you know, like I said before, it starts with your family, the people around you. You cannot go out loving people on the streets when you hate your brother, when you hate the person that's right next to you. It all starts with our, you know, family settings, our communities, you know, and from there, from the local, from, from the family, then we can expand to other places. There's, there's things I've heard where they, they mentioned that society is the way it is because the family has broken down the, the idea of nuclear family. But I think that's that's right in a sense, but it's it's uh, coming from a different idea. Well, what a better way of saying that is we've lost relationships, whether it's family relationships, friendship relationships, uh, community relationships, like that's broke, that it has broken, it's been broken, and we're not addressing that. In some communities, you know, there isn't parents, uh, for whatever reason, either they're always working, either, you know, they're, they're not in the household, they left. And so like, okay, that's, that's an issue, how we're addressing it, like how, how are we as a community supplementing that absence and I don't, I don't think that's addressed i think more the the way i hear it it's saying we need to get back to to a traditional to, to a specific way of thinking of family which i'm like that's not that's incorrect mm-hmm. the proper way is to say we need to build a family community relationship for where there is that brokenness to supplement that because it it, it, it will it will create an environment where people don't know what love is what care is and so we can still have that in a certain situation so if for whatever reason, and I'm just thinking this about this in the top of my head, if parents are working and aren't present in their uh, children's lives, how can an aunt be, be present? How can a neighbor be there for those children? How can the grandparents be there collectively, church family be there for those children so that in that scenario, those children do have that kind of example of love, care, and compassion. And it's not saying, it's not arguing for, you know, this type of family model. It's saying we need to find a solution for that in the certain scenario, certain situation, but we're not pushing like one way of thinking, one way of kind of being. We're just saying we need to insert love, a loving relationship in that, loving, loving example in that scenario. Yes, um, sensitivity. People have lost sensitivity. And that is the reason for, you know, all this drastic changes in society, in religion, in everything. Everything has changed because people have lost sensitivity. Now, it is. We still have it. I mean, it's within us. But we have, like you said, we have layered it so much that it's so deep into all those layers that kind of taking it out and just kind of shaking it and you know okay you're back to it's kind of hard for 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 people to do that it's not impossible but it's it's hard but i i really believe that if if a person has goodwill and really acknowledges that there must be a change 
in his own life to benefit others. I mean, that's the starting point for, for great things. Uh, we tend to always blame, look for the cause, you know, the, the, what, you know, what caused this or what caused that. So we, we, we start blaming people. We start blaming institutions. We start blaming this. We start blaming that. But we never acknowledge that I didn't do my part. You know, it was either mom church or daddy government or somebody else that, but not me. No, it was you. You didn't do your part. So the individual, we ourselves and our families, we are the difference for the present and for the future. You know, one thing that just came to my mind is the um, idea of homelessness. <laughs> and I guess in the general um, coverage of it, it's always like homelessness, ho homelessness is rising. You know, how, how do we move them? How do we house them? How, and in that, uh, I'm always reminded about um, a professor whose name is escaping me, but he mentioned, he said, where I come from, the concept, the idea of homelessness is very hard to grasp because where I'm from, you can never be homeless because you always have a family member that'll provide for you. Like even if your parents die, there's always a grandparent, there's always an aunt, uncle, cousin, whatever. And so the idea that someone we by themselves like it, 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 it didn't register it was like I, I don't get that i don't understand that and so even with like the idea of homelessness it's like do we acknowledge that there are family members friends uh people in the neighborhood that have failed to do something for that person for the individual we, we, we may speak about it in terms of like let's shift them let's move them like but what about the community at large? You know, there, there's probably a government um, program or something, uh, nonprofit that may deal with it. But what about the individuals who, who weren't there for that person? Because, you know, they didn't just appear. They were raised by someone. They, they were grew up with someone, you know, who, what happened? But, you know, where, where in that are we also not taking responsibility and saying, yes, I... I choose not to do something for a relative. I choose not to do something for a friend. I choose not to do something for a community, community member. Um, and that's, you know, also brushing of the rug and not spoken about. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, homelessness, is, it's a thing, it's a subject that has a lot of ways of approaching it. Um, I did a homelessness ministry in Texas for about a year or so. Um, all I can say about that is that homelessness has to do a lot of with mental issues, um, depression, uh, the feeling of not being worthy, the feeling of not fitting into society, uh, disability, and it also has to do a lot with, like you said, society, people who the majority of the people do not want to deal with anybody else's problems. You know, it's like, oh, I have, you know, so much of myself that I, I can't take yours. You know, you deal with yourself. And this has caused, you know, a, a great number of people in the streets. Um, it's something that the church, the society, in conjunction with um, local authorities, 
must um, really, really figure out uh, before it really gets out of hand. It, it is out of hand, by the way, here in, in, in our city, but it can get even worse if, if we don't um, start working at it as of now. This is general, a generic approach. I think the general approach is always like, how are others failing? How's the government failing? It's never internalized. How am I contributing to this? How am I responsible for it? How am I not helping? I think that's, you know, that language, that way of thinking is very rarely introduced, introduced in kind of just many issues. And, you know, maybe we haven't thought about it as much. And going back to the, the environment, where exactly are my actions contributing to the environment problems? And where am I, what things do I keep doing there that's contributing to it? And I don't want to give it up. You know, I, I don't want to give up whatever it may be. And I choose not to learn more about it or accept the fact that my actions are affecting the environment because I don't want to stop doing what I'm doing. We, we just don't want to think about it. We, we don't want to face yeah, it, it. It all has to do with, we don't want to give up our zone of comfort. I mean, we're, we're so good and we're so... Maybe not so good, but we're so used to it that just thinking about changing it, you know, to another possibility doesn't fit in our mind. But like you said, we must see the consequences in the future. You know, if 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 we would be conscious conscious enough to to know that what we're doing today, at this day, at this hour. It's going to have a consequence on the life of children and of future generations. Why not change to a better option? You know, like I said, in, in, in Marinol, actually, our superior general sent out of, of an official letter to all of our Marinol homes saying, what can we do, we as Marinolers around the world, we, what can we do to improve, um, you know, to better use things, not to waste, you know? And we were encouraged literally to write down the things that at least for this year we're doing to cut down like paper waste, things like that. Um, just like a little example, we don't longer, we don't no longer use paper napkins. I mean, how many paper millions of tons of paper every single year just for napkins that's tons and millions of trees that are being cut down that's less oxygen when you can have you know a, a cloth napkin that is washable reusable i mean why have paper napkins around the house so we cut down on that uh plastic water bottles we all have, you know, our refillable bottles and we have our, our, the jars that purify water. So if you want water, you just go get it. I mean, why have all that plastic around the house? You know, uh, we're not using the eco-friendly uh, laundry detergent, you know, small things, but that really make a difference. You're mentioning your, your superior that issued that statement or enacted those changes. There must have been an experience, a moment that he he experienced where it, he got it, you know, where he was like, wow, this is this is something we have to do. This is something we have to uh, shift in. And I feel like that has to happen for every one of us. 
we all have to have that moment where we we confront it, we see it, and let it affect us. And I think that that goes to back to this entire this conversation about not living isolation. And, and I think once we hear, once we live, once we open ourselves to other people who may be, and yeah, I think that's the, the imagery I have is, you know, someone abroad who's having their environment, their trees cut down. We don't see it. We, we, you know, we're in a different country. We're just using the paper. We're using the paper. And someone is like, y'all are destroying my home. But we don't hear that. We, we don't, we don't uh, listen to that until we leave our comfort zone and are open to listening to them. And we go to their homes. We're like, wow, this is happening to you. This is your house now. Like this is, I see what you're experiencing. So yes, maybe I should stop using paper. Maybe I should stop some of the things I'm living like. But that, that won't happen until we start listening. We start leaving our isolated way of living and open ourselves to hearing what others and our God is telling us we, we need to change. Yes. Um, and I go back to the mission experience, you know, once people have that mission experience, uh, it's, it's, it's life changing. Um, our superior general is a man who spent many, many years in Africa. So he was a witness, you know, of how people reuse, how people recycle, how people take care of what they have. And then coming back to a country where you just buy, use and throw, buy, use and throw. Yeah you know, you, you're very sensitive to that. And uh, you start to think of ways to not be part of that system. And at the same time, you know, be an example, if you want to call it like that, to others that, you know, there's there's other options uh, of, of, of being more ecologically friendly, uh, you know, with the world, with, with, with our earth. You know, it's, it's our future. It's our home. We have to take care of it. I'm noticing the, the system here, here in the United States that always, how should I phrase this? It creates this veil that everything gets hidden behind it. You know, so one thing I'm, I'm always, you know, that, that comes to my mind is like the trash system here. You know, people just throw stuff in the trash bin and somehow it just disappears most people don't really think about hey where is this trash really going we're like have i seen the kind of uh, trash places the place where the trash gets placed like well what's happening with it you know and so because it's no longer in our sight we no longer think about it you know every every most products if not all the products that we buy or you know are, are in the stores do we really conceptualize the conditions that they were made in like you know, the process it takes to make them both on the environment on the people in the uh, factories the workers you know all that now we just see it you know in the store once the completed product we don't there's a current there's a veil that's put in for us to kind of like be isolated from that that creates that kind of unawareness that lack of affection care because it's out of sight out of mind and and that's that gets cultivated. You know, and if you grew up in that kind of uh, system, infrastructure, everything's fine. There's, there's nothing wrong. Why, why are you complaining? Why is, there, why is this a big issue? It's because we, we've been veiled from it. And then going back to what I mentioned before, one of the things that always has, things that always apparent for me is sight. What we're seeing is God seeing, God seeing the environment being crumbled and 
we aren't seeing that because we're hiding from it. We're we're covering ourselves from that that truth. Yeah, I mean, and this the this is where it comes the importance of this kind of discussions to make it you know a kind of public and for people to have access to it because this might be the opportunity for someone to say, okay, like I didn't realize I'd never thought of it. I had not realized it, but look, oh yes, it's very true. And there can be a, a shift, a, a change in, in, in a person. And that person can, you know, work uh, in the broader sense to bring more people to realize, you know, what we're doing with, not only with ecology, but with, you know, society, religion, our very own psychology as, 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 as persons, everything, government, a lot of things. In my mind, I make that connection between like missionaries' work. Thing it's related to what individuals can do. It's not about having to go abroad if a person's situation or circumstances can't allow it. But you know, it's the same idea though. How yes. can you you know encounter someone right next door? And you know, it's it's that shift. It's that change in behavior that it has to happen because it's. It's if not, it's contributing to the issues of the world. If you can't see, if you can't see God, you can't see others, much less God in others, and you then can't see the world as it is. And, and I think that that goes to the blindness because sometimes you know Jesus speaks about being blind, being blind to what the truth is, being blind to God, being blind to reality. Yes, you know it's uh, it's something that, like it said, is it's non-ending you know theme because so so many perspectives so many ways of approaching so many ways of dealing with it but like you know it, it all comes to us we're the ones who are entitled to make a difference and we must we must we must do it now how very true well thank you again diego for your time and all that you shared and thank you, the listener, for tuning in. I invite you to check out the Marino website at marino.org. That's M-A-R-Y-K-N-O-L-L dot O-R-G to learn more about all the work and opportunities that are going on. We hope you keep tuning in for other episodes and keep sharing this podcast with others. God bless us all.